Hello and welcome to the Lead Hership Show. I am your host, Harriet Schumacher, Certified Executive Coach and Women's Leadership Expert. Thank you for tuning in. Each week, we bring forward thinking, inspiring, and real conversations for women who want to lead and live more fully. I'm so excited to have you here. I hope you enjoy the next conversation. Thanks for tuning in. So we are here today with Sarah Young, and I am so excited and a little bit nervous, to be honest, because, uh, you know, you're just, as I've said before, you're so cool, Sarah, and you have such an impressive background, and we are so lucky to have you here uh, with us on the show today, but also as a female leader here in Atlantic Canada. So I just want to say Thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk with us today. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. The feeling is mutual. So I'm yeah. glad to be here. Yeah. yeah, lovely. So as always, you know, we always like to get started kicking off this conversation today with getting to know you and getting to know you a bit of your story and your background. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Tell us a bit about yourself, your career, your story. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a broad question, yes. but yeah, I'm sure you've been asked that before. So tell us a bit about you. So once upon a time, yes. Uh, so <laughs> let me see now. Yes, there are many, many variations and versions, but um, I uh, grew up in, in uh, rural Nova Scotia. I grew up in a, a small town uh, about two hours uh, from Halifax. Uh, I'm... Uh, from a, uh, a relatively big family. Uh, and uh, I always say uh, a lot that I've learned in life, uh, I learned uh, from being lots of family uh, dynamics and from uh, being the oldest of four uh, has uh, influenced uh, a lot uh, my outlook and perspective on life and, and also uh, growing up in, in, a, uh, in a small town as well. And um, I think uh, from from there, I uh, had uh, went to undergrad at uh, Mount Allison University, went to graduate school uh, in Montreal. I mm -hmm. love Montreal uh, mm -hmm. at Concordia. From Concordia, went to Toronto, uh, had uh, a number of great years in Toronto. Uh, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Sandpiper. Uh, when I was in Toronto, I uh, worked at a technology startup company, uh, also worked, it's my first step into uh, consulting, uh, communications consulting, and I uh, joined an international firm. Uh, and at the time, I thought I will do it for 365 days, not a day more, uh, but... Uh, uh, haven't left uh, the consulting or agency world since. I absolutely have loved it. And when I was in Toronto, uh, I was doing uh, predominantly technology uh, uh, work with, uh, at the time it was during the IT boom. Uh, and I did a lot of work uh, in the uh, US. Uh, like a good maritimer, I uh, returned to the East Coast and I uh, with two other partners bought a company called MTNL 
and we built that uh, small uh, company. It was about seven people at the time, including us. We bought, uh, opened an office in New Brunswick in Newfoundland. We took on a minority uh, shareholder called National. Eventually, uh, we did an exit and sold National. And I am the managing partner uh, uh, here in Atlantic Canada, where we've continued to grow by helping uh, companies and organizations uh, either solve uh, complex things or make really big things happen, uh, navigate complexity. And I also lead talent uh, for the organization. It has since grown into the US uh, and Europe, as well as across the country. And uh, I have recently launched a venture fund. And on the home front, I uh, have uh, two uh, wonderful boys uh, who are 12 and 14, and my partner, Matt, and I. And he also uh, has a 20-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. So uh, putting us all together with our COVID puppy, <laughs> uh, we uh, pretty much, it's somewhere between a circus and a zoo. Uh, and as my father says, I've pretty much replicated my childhood uh, family all over again. Right. Wow. Wow. That's it. That's, that's it. The story. Okay. That's, yeah. that's the long version. That's, that's the long, long version. version. Okay. Yes. So uh, speaking of complexity, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be, you know, a theme that is running through, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's, that's life, but also it seems to be a complex year this year. A lot of people are talking about the complexity in business and I just read, finished reading the most recent um, Women in the Workplace uh, report from McKinsey for you know 2020, the state of women in the workplace in 2020. Obviously, that's American, but still, we can sh we can see a lot of parallels in terms of what's happening, um, you know, here not only in Atlantic Canada but also in Canada. I also learned that you are trained when I was researching your bio that you're trained in crisis management. <laughs> I was like, why didn't I know that earlier? I mean, your phone must have been ringing off the hook. So. What have you, what's your view about, uh, you know, the situation that we're currently in in 2020 and, you know, complexity in terms of a business uh, concern, a business challenge? Has complexity increased for businesses in 2020 from your perspective? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I think so. I think one of the things is that uh, it, we always work in and help uh, organizations. A lot of the work that we do is around crisis communication, issues management, uh, reputation, uh, uh, whether it's planning or management. Uh, and uh, a, most organizations, as much as they've uh, identified uh, different scenarios, and even if they did work on pandemic planning, this is not uh, this is not playing out, or this was not anticipated, or they're not experiencing it in a way that they uh, ever imagined. And so, I think one of the things uh, with uh, with COVID is that uh, oftentimes a crisis uh, it can be it, it will it's a it, it can be an event, or it will happen uh, over a, a specific period of time, and it it will be sometimes it will be isolated uh, or you work to isolate it where this is just so sustained and so uh, and there are so many different parts and chapters and uh, essentially every almost everyone is experiencing it 
And so there's uh, one of the things is that, and, and you know, this isn't new to anyone, is that there's very little escaping it. And so there isn't necessarily uh, one, uh, one focal point or it's constantly moving. Uh, there's ne not necessarily an end in sight. Uh, there's just, uh, and there's so many unknowns. So uh, definitely uh, working a lot uh, with organizations. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in terms of, you, you, you know, your question around preparing, uh, mm -hmm. I think the uh, being accustomed to uh, the, the type of works that we do, uh, just very accustomed to working uh, in complexity, but also in ambiguity. So accustomed, you know, I'm surrounded by people, uh, my colleagues, my teammates, who are accustomed to not always having the answers, uh, who are accustomed to uh, asking questions, are accustomed to working in different scenarios, are accustomed to uh, uh, being agile, uh, accustomed to problem solving, accustomed to moving fast or needing to slow down uh, and, uh, uh, working in a collaborative way. Uh, so all of that has been really helpful, uh, but definitely I would say this is very different. And I think uh, even looking into 2021, it's going to be uh, the pressures on leadership are only going to continue in ways that I don't think uh, uh, we've all anticipated or could have anticipated uh, um, for COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I've been hearing through the conversations that I've been having is the tension between feeling like as the leader within this complexity, I need to have the answers. Mm -hmm. But then also knowing that we are in a situation where you're pretty much guaranteed to not have them because we haven't been here before. So just being in that, that state and um, feeling very, you know, overwhelmed and in overhead because of that tension of feeling like I used to have all the answers and now I don't feel like I have that many and what do I do with that? What does that mean for the context in which I'm leading and how people might be perceiving the effectiveness of my leadership at this moment in time? So, yeah. Um, well, I think, I think, you know, that certainly uh, that, uh, you know, I would suggest that uh, showing up and, and uh, having all the answers uh, that isn't realistic uh, because it's constantly changing and that one of the things that uh, we'll expect right now is uh, authenticity and so uh, as a leader you know you should definitely you know obviously have some answers or, or definitely have uh, a, a plan for what's next but uh, acting or showing up in the exact same way that you were a year ago is also not realistic. Uh, it's definitely not. Uh, and, and, and I think um, so much has changed or so much has happened that uh, there's uh, people, uh, at least you know, from my experience, there's uh, people have experienced so much and they're experiencing so much uh, professionally and personally uh, that uh, they're viewing the world through a different lens now. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they want, they, no, it's not just that they want, they expect authenticity and they expect uh, um, uh, their leaders to show up with some humanity and they expect uh, um, 
they they have a just different different views of of how people walk into a room whether that's a real room or a virtual room mm -hmm. and so uh you know you know i certainly do not have all of the answers uh but i a part of that is being very honest about it but i also uh i can also point to here here are my views here's what i'm planning for uh and also collectively Here's what uh, I want to know uh, where you are, uh, whether that's uh, my clients or my colleagues, uh, and, and how are we going to get to the next chapter together? And do you know what? If things change, that's, we'll, we'll try as much as we can to anticipate it, uh, and we're going to need to be flexible and agile, uh, and nothing's going to be written in stone, but here are the guiding principles upon which you know, we're going forward. So, uh, you know, I, I guess this idea of uh, leading in the same way, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I, I think is not, uh, is, not, is not necessarily going to uh, uh, serve everyone well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, we are at a crossroads and, uh, you know, you know corp many companies feel like they are at a crossroads, but I, we're also hearing a lot that you know, the future of work for women and women's role in the workforce is at a crossroads and the impact that COVID-19 and this crisis uh, has had on women at work and a lot of research and data is coming out in that field. So I'd love to turn our conversation towards women uh, and more specifically women in Atlantic Canada. And, you know, that's something that you're definitely, your heart seems to be invested in that. And so why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about what does the view look like from where you sit about the future of work for women in Atlantic Canada? Sure, and it's it's interesting. I uh, I have uh, gone through, and can certainly share that I I think I've it's been an, a, a bit of a journey, and it seems to be uh, gaining a lot of momentum. I've always I've worked very hard uh, from a certainly from a business perspective that uh, that I need to walk into a room and uh, uh, show up and uh, from a merit perspective that I want to be uh, at a table uh, in a boardroom uh, selected uh, purely on merit and so and it, and over the years, I would certainly say, you know, I have some bumps and bruises and scratches and, and you know, some pretty good war stories uh, from, uh, it hasn't always uh, been as straightforward uh, or uh, there are certainly uh, lots of uh, barriers, but I, it was one of those uh, must keep going. Uh, and, and again, I, I certainly do a, and very fortunate too. And, and I think one of the things that uh, I would also say uh, in my journey, having two partners, it's uh, uh, one of the things I've always appreciated and, and has worked really well is uh, whether they're uh, your uh, professional or personal uh, people, being able to, at the end of the day, come back and uh, do a decompress and do a, wait till I tell you what happened today. Um, <laughs> But I think in the you know in the last year and a half, uh, I think it's really uh, uh, you know, felt the need that needed to do more. And I think you know I've always uh, been very inspired uh, here at National. Uh, I have wonderful, strong, 
uh, accomplished, intelligent uh, women uh, and men uh, who go out into the world and are tremendous leaders. Uh, I think I uh, have been a participant in the uh, innovation uh, entrepreneur ecosystem. And what that is, is uh, essentially it's uh, the future economy. And so that's where we're seeing, you know, with lots of discussion in Atlantic Canada and here in Halifax about uh, startups. Uh, and so startups that are uh, creating healthcare products or services, or it's around uh, new apps, or it's uh, lots of, it's around the innovation uh, for tomorrow. And I think uh, starting to see that uh, the trend, and this is a trend not only in Atlantic Canada, but across Canada, uh, that uh, the founders, so the, the startup founders, but also the investors, that they were uh, very few women that were on either side of the table. And I think, you know, starting to see that uh, that it was really alarming. And I think when you start to think about, uh, you know, we're making progress in some of the traditional industries and whether that's at, uh, at from a leadership perspective or even around boardroom tables and you know, so many people, uh, uh, women included, have been working really hard for stronger representation. But when looking at uh, future economy and seeing how little progress or how little uh, representation, uh, and that's both from women and uh, both underrepresented or racialized uh, communities, it you know was really alarming. And so uh, in the last year, I uh, started to have this discussion with a number of uh, other women and saying, you know, if there aren't women at the table, how are we going to participate uh, again as, as uh, you know, uh, in in the future, and so that really uh, started the impetus for what has now become a venture fund. Uh, and and I think really, uh, you know, when we've seen started to dig into the stats of uh, you know what what that means in Canada, that was the uh, I think a little bit of the final straw of saying uh, if if we don't do something. Uh, you know, who will, and, and I think there was one of those moments where, uh, you know, uh, in our careers, we're saying, uh, we've, we, we feel like uh, even if we're showing up on merit, uh, it clearly that's not enough and uh, needing to roll up sleeves and do a little bit more. And, and this, this seems to be uh, the thing for us right now that is going to, uh, one of the things that we'll, we're hoping that will make a, a significant difference. Yeah, well, I mean, I I uh, very excited about um, Sandpiper and what this represents for the future of women in Atlantic Canada. And I love what you said. And I think that's a question that a lot of uh, women in leadership and women entrepreneurs need to ask ourselves: is how will we participate in the future, and what do we actually want the future to look like? Because in the midst of all of this complexity that we have in front of us, we do have great opportunity. And uh, I have always looked. <laughs> tried to at least maintain that point of view is, you know, we have an opportunity to shape the future of work. We have an opportunity to provide feedback now that there seems to have been a change, a dramatic change. And so I read on um, one of the goals of Sandpiper is to disrupt by filling critical gaps in the investment ecosystem. 
And so some of those gaps, what are the, some of those gaps? What led you to, uh, you know, besides noticing that there was, you know, w- there was not an equal representation of women at the table, what did you notice specifically around um, funding and um, some of those gaps that you noticed in the investment ecosystem that led to the, the creation of Sandpiper? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny uh, just hearing you say uh, gap. Uh, and it feels uh, it, it feels like we need a stronger word uh, for <laughs> okay. gap. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, and I think that was it. Is that we when we started looking into it, and, and it really became walking into rooms, and it was one of those you know, uh, startling, uh, startling experience where uh, it would be rooms full of of men and walking in and doing a, uh, you know, what is happening uh, and, 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 you know, rooms full of entrepreneurs, investors and doing a, okay, well, how do we make a change? And, and seeing that uh, a lot of uh, how change was being made in uh, other places, either in Europe or the U.S. and so started doing a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And so the gap uh, what we were seeing was that, uh, you know, that women entrepreneurs really are being underinvested in. And, uh, you know, the gap is that, you know, only 2% of angel investors in Canada are female. Mm-hmm. And so just that alone, uh, you know, 2%. Uh, so it wasn't our imagination that, uh, that you know, from an uh, investor standpoint, that there, you know, women weren't being represented. And that uh, female founders are only receiving uh, 3% of VC dollars or venture capital dollars. Uh, you know, the other, the other thing is that uh, when you look at venture capital funds, only 15% of the partners uh, are female. That's even, you know, that, that number is even lower in Atlantic mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but one of the things, and this is where we started to say, there's an opportunity here, uh, female founders, so again, the, the, the women entrepreneurs, those who are uh, creating the companies, they actually overperform. So they're delivering higher revenues, you know, they have higher valuations, and it's a more efficient use of capital and, and a higher ROI. And so, you know, we were looking at this and saying, so here we have the women entrepreneurs are underinvested in, uh, they're not, uh, and at the same time, uh, they're delivering. And, and so I think, uh, one, seeing it as an opportunity, but at the same time doing a, how uh, any, a woman walking into a room isn't going to see herself on either side of the table. And so that was the point where we started to do a, uh, there seems to be an opportunity uh, in other other markets where there are uh, venture funds, uh, women-led venture funds or different uh, models. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that was interesting and and uh, what we what we said was, well, someone should do this. Uh, and, <laughs> Uh, and in the first first couple of conversations was uh, someone should really do this. Who should do this? You know, and, and uh, you know, I use myself. Uh, I did a. It can't be me. Uh, I I'm not the right person. And did some more research. And uh, the fascinating thing is that you know, that's basically uh, I was the case study uh, for <laughs> why there aren't. You know, one of the reasons why women aren't in venture capital is that women tend not to be 
uh, confident. Uh, they tend to, uh, they look at uh, the world of investment or uh, uh, even from an entrepreneurial perspective and say, um, I don't have the experience. And this isn't the only only space or place, but tend to look and say that, you know, uh, that's for other people uh, or and don't have the, the network or the background. And, and so that was the moment for me where I did a, okay, uh, I can't be the case study. Uh, and so uh, at the time I did a, okay, well, I'll at least convene and, and get started. Um, and uh, you know, brought together a group of women who were, you know, we were having this similar conversation, and we've, uh, 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 it's been uh, quite tremendous uh, what uh, what the level of interest and demand uh, from women across the region and even the country uh, who are saying uh, absolutely. Uh, not only do we see the opportunity, uh, a business opportunity, but we also see. Uh, uh, an opportunity to have a, a big impact uh, on uh, the region and uh, on the future. Mm -hmm. I can so relate to that. Um, just feeling like, well, you know, there's so many women that I speak with who are, you know, want help, need help, have big dreams, fantastic ideas, definitely want to grow and become more cash comfortable and, and also serve and create change but don't know like what to do next. Like don't really feel like they, you know, are so busy in the day-to-day -day environment that they may not necessarily have the network or they might have just the confidence or the knowledge gap to be able to, you know, begin a conversation, you know, around what, what, what help and what support is out there and where do I go next? So I can totally relate to that on a personal level, but also just through the conversations that I have with women every day, you know, whether they're uh, running their own business or, you know, leading a team at work every day. So, so what are the rules then that Sandpaper Sandpaper wants to change? You said you don't want to level the playing field. You want to change the rules entirely. So, what does that look like? What does that entail to change the rules entirely? Uh, so, I think first of all, it's a want women to uh, have the option, have know that they're uh, consider uh, if they want to be. Uh, entrepreneurs, uh, if they want to be, and so Sandpiper is focused on uh, tech-enabled uh, companies, uh, but we want uh, women to have the confidence uh, to have uh, the networks. And so, you know, right now, and and again, would say from uh, our collective experience is that uh, generally uh, that. Uh, we're not being presented uh, with the opportunities or being brought into conversations mm -hmm. uh, around uh, investing. Uh, and so how do we make sure that uh, that that is part of the conversation? Uh, how and and I think so far we've we've had a number that was our first priority of of introducing women who are make, who are investing in this asset class for the first time ever. Uh, and so how do we make sure that's, that becomes more normalized? I think it's also, you know, one of the things is that, um, uh, that has become really clear is that, uh, that this, this space is really, uh, it, part of it is based on uh, having a really strong network. And, you know, I, I think everyone will have a different view or a different perspective on, uh, 
the difference or is there a difference or uh, on how um, men and women network differently? You know, certainly from my experience, there is a difference, and and you know, I think um, from my from my view is that I think at different stages and phases, you know, some women have different commitments or uh, how they how they look at uh, networking is, uh, and I, you know, I've certainly had this conversation uh, many times. It's just uh, it is it is different, and so how uh, how do we how can we look at networking in a way uh, that isn't um, it isn't transactional or isn't it isn't sort of a I had lunch once or I had mm -hmm. uh, coffee once uh, and I you know squeezed it in because my you know days are so busy but just uh, how can how can we look at networking in a way that we can be helpful to each other or how can we how can we um, how is it that we're uh, it's in our collective interest uh, to be connecting uh, and helping uh, each other succeed and that will include uh, uh, men and women but I, I don't know that we've uh, and again I, I, I say this is from my experience and, and when I hear examples of of some of my uh, male colleagues or, or friends when they talk about how they've uh, uh, you know, cultivated their network. I do a oh, it is it is very different, mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, I, you know there are certainly things that not to say that we replicate it in the same way, but I think there's definitely things that we can learn if we want to continue to break down some of the barriers. That if we can, if there are areas that we can, uh, if that we want to have a big impact, uh, that we uh, you know certainly you know for my for my outlook. There's nothing that I want to do alone. Uh, mm -hmm. That uh, if you're not having fun along the way, if it's not feeling like it's positive, if it's not making a, uh, if it's not a positive contribution in your own life, uh, then it's it's not it's likely to be short-lived. And so I think that's I, I think the networking part has a has a real opportunity to be something of you know really uh, positivity. And I think a lot of times women are. Uh, almost shoehorning it into their lives, uh, and it's it's not it's not necessarily something that's uh, as 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 good as it could be. And I think it's something that could be uh, a real force uh, mm -hmm. uh, going forward. And that's interesting too, because obviously the way in which we're networking has changed, you know, dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> There's fewer fewer lunches, fewer conferences, fewer you know formal events where traditionally those types of networking opportunities were kind of created for us. So, what have you what what ideas would you have for women to be able to maintain their networking? You know, now that we're working from a distance and virtually, is it Zoom coffees now? Like, what is what's going on? <laughs> same same rules apply. Just we're doing it via technology now. Yes, I think you know. I think in the future, whether it's smaller, uh, whether it's smaller groups that are more intimate, mm -hmm. uh, rather than sort of those those big events uh, that people don't necessarily get to have, uh, don't always get to have quality uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Uh, I mean, one of the great things, and and we've all talked about this, is that the Zoom calls is that uh, everyone, for better or for worse, got. Uh, 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 look into people's uh, 
homes and yeah. again that humanity and authenticity and so uh how amazing is it that uh whether it's the bookshelves or the children or the pets or the and and we actually said this is real life uh and so it's not you know i think before where there was this idea that uh people uh, and, and again, it's come with downsides too, but this idea that we've compartmentalized and, you know, people showed up at, at, at work and did a uh, uh, life is perfect. And then, you know, I think even, you know, even with social media, life is perfect. And mm -hmm. it isn't at, by mm -hmm. any stretch <laughs> where I think now uh, it's a little bit of a, uh, of course, uh, there are kids or, you know, in my case, uh, the number of, um, uh, whether it's the teenagers, uh, um, the number of things that have happened during uh, meetings or calls, uh, like all of these things are real. And so I think, uh, you know, as you say, if it is a glass of wine or coffee or laundry folded, whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> no one yeah. has to, like, no one has to apologize or pretend or like, it, it just, it just is. Um, mm -hmm. And that to me is like, I just, I kind of do a, it's to me is a big exhale of breath mm. because I just do a, wow, a lot of time and energy was, has been put into uh, trying to pretend that it's all, um, uh, you know, uh, well, I, you know, I've always said, uh, I've joked the, uh, if everyone would just lower the bar a little bit or, uh, <laughs> just, or just even, you know, the, to me, the, the really, uh, the best moments in life are the real moments, you know, and they're yeah. gritty. And, and, uh, and so I think that's the part right now is we're all doing a, oh yes, life is gritty. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, to your question, I think right now, um, yeah, if it is, if it is, you know, coffee when um, you're making school lunches or whatever it is, all of mm -hmm. that is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of a moment this year when I was teaching a group workshop and my children were home and there was a, I think I was home alone at the time. So, you know, speaking of like lowering the expectations, <laughs> you know, I hear mom, I've got a nosebleed, like panic ensuing, you know, and I'm here in front of this, you know, Zoom training session with all these folks online trying to maintain my professional veneer. <laughs> and I remember being like, you know, there's no way that they didn't hear that in the background, like that screaming. And I was like, okay, here's like a deep thought for all of you to simmer on for a moment. I'll be right back. And I put it on mute, went out into the hallway, sorted out the nosebleed, slid back into my seat and everybody was like how did you do that and i'm like welcome to working mom life this is real life happening here right now there is no denying it it was it was just you know one of those one of the many moments that went down in the books this year for uh just keeping it real so i, I mean i find it refreshing i feel like i like to integrate what's going on in my real life with also what is going on at work i just yeah i feel like i've had a bit of a an exhale and um, surprisingly everybody, I, I mean, I assume that everybody has been pretty open uh, to receive because they're going through it too. So that's the common thread that's woven through this experience yeah. for all of us. Well, and I, I, you know, I keep thinking if we could all just compare notes of what were those moments uh, mm -hmm. during the last 
eight months or uh, if I, yes, there have just been some moments. I think I, uh, there was, I, at one point I was doing a presentation, the fire alarm was going off in the house because of course the teenage boys were making bacon as a after school snack, <laughs> which I knew that's why the fire alarm was going off. Uh, so I kept trying to do the mute in between the um, <laughs> fire alarm. <clears throat> there was another one where I, uh, I, uh, there was my partner was on a video call and he I didn't I thought I wasn't on video and my you know, of course my lower back was sore from all the sitting mm -hmm. I tried to do some back stretches I didn't think I was on video <laughs> mm. when I looked up I suddenly realized that oh no it was just the screen of a whole lot of people and <laughs> Yeah, there anyway, there, yes, I think we've all had many moments where we have. Yeah, yeah. So but I also do a um again, uh it's it's all it's all fodder. And and, yeah. you know, and, and uh people have heard me say many times, it's all good fodder for the memoirs or for the Netflix series. Yeah. 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 Seems like there's gonna be a book written about all of this at some <laughs> point. Uh, so a few last questions then, and I know that we are coming to the end of our time. So, you know, when you, we talked a little bit about, um, just women's confidence with, you know, money and investing and, uh, you know, that's definitely something that I have encountered. So what do you, what's a common belief or a myth about money and investing that you think that women need to come to terms with if we are going to you know, change these statistics for the better? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think partly it's, so it is around, so I, I talked about confidence networking and the, the third part is around just, you know, I'll put it in the bucket of education. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, what we've been told too is that, you know, our grandmothers uh, oftentimes put money in under the mattress and and our mothers were as often, whether it was in mortgage or RRSPs. And so I think it's going and asking questions. And I know we're, we're certainly uh, uh, partnering and, and providing a lot of education and just doing a, uh, there are, whether it's getting uh, access uh, um, from a, uh, you know, uh, with your financial advisor or through your bank or, there, it's not, there are many avenues uh, of how you might want to consider it. Um, and it might, again, it might, it's not the right avenue for everyone. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I would love to see is that uh, there are more young women uh, in uh, high school and university who are mm -hmm. saying, if I want to be a entrepreneur or if I want to uh, think about, uh, uh, you know, having an option of, of investing money wherever I want, they can see themselves doing it. It's not something that they don't ever see themselves or they can't ever imagine. And that was the part that was fascinating to me is that when I look at uh, in the conversations uh, that, uh, you know, that we've been having is that, uh, so many of these extremely successful uh, women who just didn't see it as a as an avenue or an option, and 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 you know really, frankly, quite surprising. And and so I think you know we are uh, we are making 
we are making progress, but I, we just, I think we're not making the progress uh, that, you know, I would love to see and I would love to think that uh, our uh, daughters and, and nieces and uh, th that they'll be, that they will just have that confidence to, uh, to uh, make decisions and choices uh, and won't have to have to do a kind of look in hindsight and do a why, why wasn't that an option or mm -hmm. why didn't someone uh, tell me about that? Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's an undercurrent around uh, asking for help. You know, if you want Absolutely. help to ask for help and to be okay with not knowing. I mean, we've just kind of basically said there's a lot of women out there that don't know, myself included. I'm not, I don't have the education definitely mm -hmm. around the financial side of my business. I know I could learn a lot more and I would probably be better off for it. So what's, what's kind of a final piece of advice that you want to leave for, you know, women who are in leadership, entrepreneurial women who are going to be listening to this? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I think, uh, I think you're, there's a little bit of a, of course there's asking for help, but there's also just a, I think if we could just dive in more. And I think that that confidence, it's a little bit of going back to that part around COVID. What, what has it, what have we learned that it's, it's, you know, it is gritty and, you know, I, I always say it's, how can we get momentum over perfection? So we're not going to have all the answers. Uh, there will be people around that have different strengths than we do. Uh, and, you know, just, it's the moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. And there will be times that we stumble, uh, but again, just that momentum. And a lot of times uh, if you, if surrounding ourselves uh, with others, uh, the more you have people who are focused on momentum, uh, that you just you you create uh, quite a uh, quite a powerful uh, pa powerful force, and and so that part you can draw more and more energy from. So mm. I like to when I get when I get um, a little bit overwhelmed of oh uh, that seems really daunting or that's not something that um, I'm capable of or have the experience or expertise or, and of course I can come up with a really long list. I just sort of do a, okay, small steps or one step mm -hmm. in front of the other or one foot in front of the other. And again, it's that um, momentum over perfection. I don't need to have it all figured out as long as I'm, you know, heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say 2020 has definitely been a year of imperfect action. If you've been not wanting to, to sort of maintain, if you're focused on growth and moving forward. There's been a lot of that. So, I mean, I'm taking away from this conversation and you know, you reminded me when we were just talking about, um, you know, if we look back, <clears throat> look back in, in history and look at, you know, our grandmothers and our mothers and, you know, their money mindset and just, you know, how they perceived themselves either in control or not in control or powerful or powerless, whatever that was. And reminds me of a conversation that I had with my daughter who's 10 now. And I remember asking her in the car one day, like, so, you know, what's the future look like for you? And she goes, well, I, when I grew up, I want to be a leader. Hmm. And I thought, isn't that so interesting that she perceives that that's a destination that she hasn't hmm. arrived at right now. Hmm. And uh, this conversation has really helped me to see that we, we need to be asking ourselves, what do we want the future to look like? 
and what's our role in creating that future for ourselves right now. And as you said, if we don't, who will? Mm -hmm. So I feel like we, the future in Atlanta, Canada is gonna be brighter because you are in it, Sarah. So thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. Thank you. That, uh, yeah. that means a lot. And, and I, uh, I feel uh, you know, the same way. And I, I feel like uh, everyone shows up in and does their uh, part in their own way. And so, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I thank you as well. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, we really appreciate you. And we will put uh, post the information about Sandpiper Ventures uh, within this podcast. So if you are a woman, you are an entrepreneur, who, who would be the type of person that would reach out to you? And why don't you share a little bit about that? So how can a woman is listening and wants to know more, what's the next step for them? Sure. Uh, so there, uh, as you said, there the if going to the website, there will be lots of information uh, there for uh, potential uh, uh, investors. Uh, there's also information for uh, potential uh, companies, and and you know we're very focused on tech-enabled uh, companies uh, with uh, women uh, leaders, and uh, as well, uh, I think the other thing too is we do have. Uh, education sessions that we run at different times. So mm -hmm. it may be the sort of thing that maybe uh, now isn't the right time either uh, for you as an investor or, you know, for you as your, your company, um, uh, you know, whether it's an education session uh, or uh, your company doing uh, investing. Uh, but uh, I'll be uh, always happy to uh, have that conversation. And it might be the sort of thing that it's the uh, start of a discussion that, um, uh, takes place over time. So, yeah. and as we said, it's a, uh, uh, you know, we have lots of, uh, we're partnering with many, many organizations because mm -hmm. uh, this is, you know, going back to that, uh, as we said, the gap, it's, it's a big <laughs> one. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to take uh, many, many, many uh, people. And um, we're, I think, uh, really uh, delighted to be uh, linking arms with um, uh, many, many people and many organizations uh, across the region and even across the country. I'm so excited to see how this all unfolds and can't wait, can't wait to see how this, the diving into this leads to just better outcomes for the future of the economy in Atlantic Canada, but more specifically the future for women. So thank you so much again for being here, Sarah, and uh, we appreciate you and everything that you're doing to elevate all of us. So thanks again for being here today. Well, thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hello again, this is Harriet Schumacher, and thank you for listening and tuning into The Leadership Show. I really hope that you enjoyed what we were discussing today, and if you did, if you liked what you heard and you want to continue to be a part of our community, here's a couple of ways that you can do that. First, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you want to make sure that you get our releases coming to you each week. And uh, if you would love to give us a rating uh, and give us some feedback about the show, of course, we would love to hear your thoughts. And on another note, we uh, if you want to be a part of our community, 
We have a private Facebook group for uh, women in leadership. It is actually called the Women in Leadership Group. You can find us on Facebook. We have over 1,300 professional women who are inside that community who are having amazing conversations right now about what they care the most about. I go live inside that group every Tuesday to give you free training and free coaching. So we hope that you uh, we hope that you join. We'd love to see you over there. So thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy your day, and uh, we look forward to hearing you and being with you again next week. Take care.